When it comes to Carolina football recruiting, you might have seen this hashtag rolling around on social media lately. Hashtag Jordan class. What on earth is that and what does it mean and why is it showing up on all of the recruits' commitment posts? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, July 15th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, your only daily Tar Heels podcast out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so go ahead, subscribe right now so that you don't miss a single episode. For those of you watching, go ahead also and smash the like button, write a nice comment as you're watching what you think about these recruits we're going to talk about today. Joining us today to talk about Carolina football recruiting, as he does every week, is Sports Illustrated's Director of Football Recruiting, John Garcia Jr. Let me remind you that all of our John Garcia Jr. segments are now sponsored by LinkedIn. So we'd like to think thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidate that you want to talk to faster. Post your job free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we are now into July. We're, we're getting towards the end of the summer. And so really, we're picking up all sorts of steam on the class of 2023 across the nation. For those who haven't seen it, the North Carolina class of 23 has a specific name. Now, when I first saw it, it took me a little bit of time to put the connect the dots and put it all together, uh, but eventually did. That name? Hashtag Jordan class. Now, me saying it out loud might trigger some bells for you, but just in case not, my man John, put the pieces together for us. We're talking about. Well, look, uh, of course, you know, every recruiting class, and not everyone, but most recruiting classes, especially through social media, try to connect recruits, fans, and the programs themselves with creative hashtags. And oftentimes, of course, it's relative to the year of the recruiting cycle. So, the kids who just finished their junior season and are headed into their senior season, so the ones we talk about the most in recruiting, that's the class of 2023. Of course, Michael Jordan's number, and of course, Michael Jordan played at North Carolina, as Isaac is demonstrating uh, so very well. So yeah, the hashtag becomes, instead of something creative, using the numbers and you know trying to make it relevant to football, this is leaning into a pop culture icon uh, who really obviously is more tied to North Carolina than anywhere else. So you just call it the Jordan class. A lot of kids or a lot of young folks, because you have to be young to be turning 23. A lot of people <laughs> turning 23 call it the Jordan year. I mean, the number is synonymous with dominance, greatness, all of those things. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Being North Carolina, although there's some other Jordan brand schools, right. obviously it hits different at UNC, <laughs> so calling it the Jordan class makes a lot of sense. And, and let's be honest, the target demographic are teenagers who are very up to date on social media, pop culture, sports, and the norm. So tying it all together with them, uh, most importantly, makes a lot of sense. You know, that that's something that never hurts Carolina in recruiting. So doing it like that uh, reemphasizes that point and his connections uh, to the program uh, as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it makes obvious. I mean, it's the most no brainer ever when you put it together to connect Jordan to this. But as you said, this is synonymous with winning, dominance, championships, stepping on your opponent. Is Mac Brown putting, you know, by them adopting this, are they putting a lot of pressure on themselves to, to live up to? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, it transcends sports, right? It used to be, why are these football schools putting the Jordan Jumpman logo on their football uniforms? That was like a 10-minute thing. After that, nobody really brought it up ever again. And more and more schools have really campaigned to, to live in that Jordan brand atmosphere, if you will. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it does point some pressure, um, you know, because that's that's the school. That's the first school that should come to mind when you think about it. So attaching that to a recruiting class means it needs to be a pretty darn good recruiting class. And, <laughs> and I think Carolina's off to a really strong start. I mean, it's still only July, so there's a long way to go till December, and then there'll be some twists and turns along the way. Sure, but, yeah, sure. you have to do that knowing there is pressure, but also – as a coaching staff, you got to say, hey, we feel good about grabbing a really nice recruiting class here in the 2023 cycle. And, and, and look, there's a lot of in-state talent in North Carolina. Of course, the neighboring states are loaded with talent um, going down into South Carolina, even west uh, and north up to Virginia. That whole region uh, has a lot of football talent. So it is a kind of a safe bet, but still bold to put into practice, especially when the coaches are using it. I think when it's just the recruits, you can kind of take it for what it's worth. But when the coaches are upfront about it, you talk about a kind of cohesive brand, that's really putting an exclamation point on whatever the slogan is for that year. So yeah, so the Jordan class has to be a good one. It can't be ranked 73rd, you know, in the (laughs) it's got to be, you know, for me, like top 25. So you gotta be around that Jordan number or better nationally. Mm to to live up to that so that remains to be seen but i think the, the foundation uh gives carolina a chance to hit that mark yeah absolutely and to this point they they do have several four stars there's there's nobody that is that elite five star that has committed and so carolina as you said ha- is forming a good foundation but has some work to do here um you talked about so many schools that are affiliated now with the jordan brand for, for the Carolina family, it is a very memorable moment when they made this announcement. It was at halftime of a Carolina Duke game. Michael Jordan was in the house, has that famous saying that we all know now, the ceiling is the roof, which makes absolutely no sense. But that was when they announced the Carolina football program. This was still under Larry Fedora being associated with this brand. And so now we're living into it. We're going to lean into it. Um, I mean, you said a lot of schools are are doing this, are branding their classes. If you had to put um, a percentage of FBS schools that, that are branding their classes, how, how big a percent would you say it is? Oh, that's a great question. I would say it's probably safely above 50%. Um, it's cool. not 100% for sure. I mean, uh, like I've never seen like an Alabama do that, um, but mm. a lot of other programs have. Uh, and I think that's something that's not going to go away. Because these hashtags, they're not, they used to be just kind of like a Twitter thing. Now it's across yeah. all social media. You know, right. TikTok, right. Instagram, which are, you know, more geared towards a, a younger audience. They're using the same kind of hashtags as well. So I do think that's something we will continue to see uh, as, as folks, you know, need to be reminded that it's not a pound sign. It's a, it's a hashtag. <laughs> Although when we grew up, it was only a pound sign. So I do, right. think, um, I do think that's something that, again, is, is very clear 
with the target uh, demographic, but other people can jump onto it and, and help it grow there as well. Uh, so I do think it's something that we see across college football and it's, it's a number that will only go up. I don't see it going yeah. down from yeah. where yeah. we're at at this point, but um, yeah, I haven't seen anyone branded Jordan class. That's for sure. Whew. Yes, man. Now it's interesting. You said Alabama hasn't done it. Is it, is it that that's like, for example, um, the, the most elite cars, in the world uh, have commercials on TV because they don't need to. They don't need, forgive me if I'll, I'll say this, the gimmick of doing something like that. Is that is that kind of why Alabama hasn't gotten in this game? I don't know. I mean, I think they, they just do things their own way. They have for <laughs> a really long time. I mean, they're still very, while on the field, Nick Saban has adapted to like all the trends and, and been ahead of a few off the field and how he runs the organization, I do think still has a very classic feel. I mean, he's not even on Twitter. At least we think. (laughs) Burner account. The tweets are on his desk every day at a minimum. (laughs) We know that. But he is not scrolling like you or I when we're, you know, in in the grocery line at Target or something like that. So I do think there's a lot of elements of Alabama that go against uh, a lot of these modern recruiting trends. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty tough in general to, um, I guess, match what, what they've been able to do uh, in the last 10, 15 years. So I think, yeah, I think there's some credence to that. They don't need to do it, but I do think it reflects the head coach. I mean, Kirby smart is all over Twitter. They just beat Alabama for the national championship. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, another recent national champion, you know, he's on there. Um, Ed Orgeron was certainly not quiet, you know, uh, leading up to that LSU title in 19. So I do think that it doesn't, it's not a one-to-one ratio where it's like, if you don't tweet, you'll win more, but I just, I think they're just unique and that's just kind of saving being saving. (laughs) Saving being saving. He's going to do what he's going to do. So last week, John, we talked about this, this big Jordan class recruiting hall that picked up eight commits in nine days. We stayed on the offensive side of the ball today. We want to move over to the defensive line and we've got two defensive of ends that have recently committed to the hills. Who are they? We're going to take them one at a time right after I tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, which has just a little bit of time left until the All-Star break. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. And it's the best spot for all of your podcasts and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so now we're going to talk about these two defensive ends that have recently committed to North Carolina it sounds like a broken record. Two more in-state guys, and these ones not only are in-state, but are very local to Chapel Hill. And so we're going to start with Jabron Harvey, who was actually the second of these two to commit, but is the more highly ranked. And so that's where we want to start. John, what do you have for us about Mr. Harvey? Well, these two are similar. So I do think we're going to say some of the same things, both yep. edge rushing prospects, which is important because you needed to complement the big interior guy, right? Joel Starling's committed uh, what, in May, I think. Yeah, massive 300 pounder that's going to anchor the middle. So now you start to build from from the inside out and, and, and you got the kind of bookend pass rushers in my mind with, with these two 
recent commitments. Yeah, Harvey, 6'3", 6'4", 220 pounds or so. Uh, there's some polish in his game. I, I really like what he brings off the edge coming out of a Southern High School in Durham, like you said, right down the road uh, from Chapel Hill uh, there in, in the triangle. And, and look, that's that's a great program relative to that area, maybe the most notable program in that area. I, I lived there a long time ago, but that was the school that was churning out prospects more than the others. So I do think that that's uh, another feather in the cap for, for North Carolina. But look, this is a pass rush specialist. He's got some polish to his mm -hmm. game. Uh, he works from a stand-up position. He works from his hand in the dirt very, very well. Good first step. He can bend. And I see a little <laughs> bit of development in his pass rushing toolbox. Okay. You know, you can't just be – I mean, in high school you can. You can just sure. blow by offensive tackles and, and, and wreck game plans accordingly. But, you know, when you project that to college, we need to see more. We need to see a foundation that allows you to work inside – set the edge in the run game and then counter that speed with some other moves. And, and while mm. speed rushing is certainly the bread and butter for Harvey, we are starting to see a little bit more counter moves as he gets uh, you know, towards his senior year of high school. I, I've seen a long arm, a rip through, uh, even a spin inside on, on oh. one occasion. So I do think he's starting to polish up kind of at the right time, because I do think as a 220 pound ish kind of prospect, he's going to have to add some weight once he gets to Carolina or as a yep. senior here in the fall. So you wonder if the speed is kind of the way to compensate for that. Can you develop some, some of those other moves? So I think it's important that he's shown some flashes of building out uh, that pass rushing uh, toolbox. But yeah, I, I like what he brings to the table. He's got a frame that can carry more weight, which is really important. And he's incredibly productive, a ton of sacks over multiple years on varsity already. Again, still has another year to go. Uh, so this is a nice modern get. You know, you need as many pass rushers as you can in, in this day and age. So I think the foundation is really strong there. The floor as a pass rusher at least is really, really strong with Harvey. You wonder, again, how he fills out, how he polishes up. And I'd like to see a little bit more in coverage. You know, I know mm. – Pass rushing is is what it is, and you can be a specialist, but that's rare. It's rare to unseat another player as more of a one-dimensional player. Yeah. So I wonder if, as he matures, we see a little bit more lateral ability and even some ability moving away from the line of scrimmage and possibly chipping a tight end, maybe flanking a running back out in, in the backfield, something like that. I do think that's where you know he'll need to take the next step or two. But look. Don't blame his high school coach, because if I had a guy like that and I was coaching, he would not be doing anything but but setting the edge or rushing the passer. So that's what we see mostly with Harvey on tape. Uh, but again, the athleticism, the production, all of that, even the competition level are, are all boxes that are checked here. Man, that's great news. And what, what you just said there at the end brings up a great question is um, – where where is the balance of that of doing what you do best at the high school level while still continuing to develop the things that are going to make you successful when you leap to Chapel Hill? How much is the Carolina coaching staff, Gene Chizik, speaking into that to develop him versus how much he's just his high school coach saying, "Here's what I need you to do for our high school team to be successful." What's the balance of that? Yeah, there has to be a balance there, and again, you understand both angles here. Uh, and I think that's where communication is key. You know, you're not going to give Harvey like the whole defensive playbook and all that stuff today, but you can start to mold, hey, you know, in our defense, these are some non-pass rusher things we want 
your position to do. And you can start at least putting it in his head so that when he is working with his high school coaches, or a lot of these guys have secondary like pass rushing trainers, right? If he does, you know, now that's something that he can implement into that development the rest of this offseason and certainly as a senior uh, and, and thereafter ahead of next spring. So I do think that communication is big into that. But you also as a college coach, first of all, your salary says, hey, it's your job to add that to his game. But there's also kind of a risk of you don't want him to come in too polished and, and as a finished hmm. product, because while that can give you a higher floor, it shortens the ceiling there. Uh, and and maybe you've got some bad habits along the way. Uh, you got to remember, pass rushing is one of these um, these money positions, right? We call them premium yeah. positions at SI. Quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, cornerback, and interior pass rusher. Those five spots, those are premium position players. So with that group in particular, you kind of want to do it your way from a college coaching perspective. So you almost would rather the pass rusher be a little bit more raw then totally yeah, figured out because maybe some of those polished elements are polished in another scheme and in another coach's eyes, not necessarily one that aligns with what you want yeah. uh, based on the positions uh, and their responsibilities specifically. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, clearly that skill set is enough to get him to Chapel Hill, like right where it is already. And so it's like, hey, yeah, just keep that slow build and, and we'll get there. Right. Now, something, John, that you've talked about a good bit is the, the amount of spots that are available in a certain class at certain positions. And um, for Harvey, we had had Thompson, who we're going to talk about next, had committed just like two days before Harvey did. Yeah. Is there, and I, I know you can't speak specifically to this situation, but is there something in that mix of, oh, one of those DN spots just uh, left, let me get on the bandwagon here? Yeah, I think so. I, look, these kids look around, they talk. I mean, look, you're talking a kid from Panther Creek High School and a kid from Southern High School in Durham. That's, what, 20, 25 minutes away at the most, maybe with a little yeah. bit of traffic on 55. So this is this is a totally recognizable situation where the school's in the area, both high schools are in the area, both players are in the area. So there's certainly an awareness when you play the same mm -hmm. position. I, I hadn't checked the visit dates. They probably have overlapped in Chapel Hill, I would imagine, once at a minimum. So I'm sure they, they have some type of relationship with one another. Um, and maybe there's a friendly competition that's brewing there because they are similar in, in size and skill set. So maybe uh, that's a part of it as well. But yeah, you, you have to be aware and make that business decision that we talk about so much in recruiting. Because yeah, you can't bring in four or five guys that are all in that 6'4", 210, 15 pound range. You can't bring in four or five of them. You could probably only bring in two or three like we just don't see enough availability at that spot because you want to diversify the pass rush body types that you bring in as well you want your bigger guys your 280 pounders of course your massive 300 pound plus pound guys and then you want your linebackers who have pass rushing upside as they develop as well so you want to bring it from different positions so there's only so many spots at every position and, and yeah when, when one or two starts to come off the board these kids are smart. They, they know the deal. They look around. And a lot of times colleges will, will let them know, hey, we're taking three. You know, we just got one. We want you. There's not a lot of time left here. A lot of kids are committing between July and the start of, of the 2022 high school season. So I'm not trying to push you, but it, it just kind of is what it is. If you want to stay home, this is your window. Uh, so I do think that happens a lot more than we realize in recruiting. And it, it's one of those things that benefits both parties. Because if you want to be here, you can lock that in. 
if you're not so sure, that's fine. But if, if you're still shopping, we're still going to shop for another guy that's similar to you as well. Yeah, man, that makes so much sense. Thanks for unpacking all of that, John. Now, uh, since there are limited spots, we've still got to talk about the other defensive end who committed just a couple days before Mr. J. Bron Harvey, and that is another very local defensive end, Tyler Thompson. We'll talk about him in just a second after I tell you about LinkedIn. As the sun comes out this blazing summer and small businesses are back in action, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a job post in just minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools such as screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms apply. Well, we've already talked about J. Braun Harvey, and now we're going to talk about Tyler Thompson a little bit further down down the road, but still just carry North Carolina. What can we talk about with him? John, I know you said he's a very similar defensive end. Uh, what does Mr. Thompson bring to the table? I, I think he's a little bit longer, a little bit leaner than Harvey. So I do think he's got maybe more physical room to fill out, but man, he, he really flashes on tape in similar ways. A really electric off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he runs incredibly well longer, so he's got more of a stride uh, in some chase down scenarios. But I think what we get a little bit more with Thompson is we get a little bit more variance in his, hmm. where he's rushing from. So while he might physically be a little bit more raw in terms of technique uh, and some of those counter moves we talked about with, with Harvey, I do think he's a little bit more versatile in that we've seen him already do some of these other things that we hadn't quite seen from Harvey. We've seen him rush from the inside. Two-point stance, three-point stance, four-point stance. We've seen him drop into coverage. He had a pick six uh, in 2021 as well. So we just see a little bit more, I guess, responsibility from Thompson. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think that's certainly a, a strong point uh, in his corner. But same kind of foundation, though. Long, fast, pass rusher. I mean, this is a pass rushing specialist. I really like his motor. Uh, I think he runs incredibly well. He maximizes that length, whether it's bending or, or extending on an offensive tackle in order to open up his field of vision when he's playing the run game. Uh, and he's got some awareness to his game as well. I think mm. you don't line up at three, four, five different positions if your coaching staff doesn't trust you. And I know that's a much yeah. newer program that's still kind of finding their way, uh, but they obviously have a lot of trust in their in their future ACC uh, pass rusher because they ask him to do a whole lot. And that was as a junior. So I wonder now, as a senior, do we maybe even see more utilization across the front seven? So I do think there's a lot of intrigue there in terms of where he can play uh, down the line at a school like Carolina. Again, he's a little bit taller, so maybe more room right. to fill right. out. So maybe he can become 
more of a traditional defensive end, if that makes sense, a guy who's going to carry 250 pounds as opposed to 230, 235. So he, you maybe can have him engage a little bit more with interior blockers, not just right. try to beat tackles one-on-one. So I think the, the floor might be lower because we just haven't seen domination as much at that one position. But then you think about the ceiling, it could be higher based on the frame, the athleticism, and the versatility that we already see in Thompson's game. But the production's similar. I mean, 15 sacks last year, I mean, un- an unbelievable number when every team you go against is circling, hey, there's Thompson, there's Thompson. You're like, they're recognizing you pre-snap. And, and, and that's part of the reason why you move them around. But to have success from all those angles, I do think says a lot uh, about the motor uh, and about the coachability of a Tyler Thompson, which are, are underrated elements uh, of the projection game. We get, we love talking height, weight, speed, and all that, and I get it, right? You watch the NFL Combine, same deal. But when you get into some more kind of tangible personality traits, that should mm-hmm. enhance that physical evaluation as well. So I think Thompson is probably underrated at this stage of the game. So again, curious to see not only how he fills out physically in the next six to 12 months, but also where, where his game is in terms of others, how others view uh, his upside, uh, because I do think he's a guy that should probably be a little bit higher on, on some of these lists. Yeah, man. that's and, and John, I love what you talked about with how his floor might be lower than Harvey, but his ceiling might be a little higher. And when you're taking multiple guys at the same position, combined with, you know, last last cycle you had Keyshawn Silver, who was this yeah. completely oh. different body type <laughs> uh, and, and a five-star guy at that, then you can take some chances on these similar body types who you know you got a higher floor with Harvey, but if, if Thompson can pop and become what – maybe his frame can carry or maybe this versatility can carry then it, it is it a little bit more okay to take that risk a hundred percent you know you have to think of the long-term plan there relative to the defense and this is going to be we've talked about it a bunch this is going to be an aggressive let's alter the passing game and its plan type of defense so if you're going to do that with a variety of pass rushes, <laughs> yeah you've got to bring in similar body types doesn't mean they're going to play together but you got to bring them in so that you could start to try to fill some of these uh positional voids and yeah when you talk about a weak side defensive end or a guy who's going to blitz from depth or, or crash you know the backside, these are the type of body types that you want uh your Keyshawn silvers your starlings of the world these are more interior or front side defenders that you want at the point of attack setting the edge allowing linebackers to free flow uh, as well. So it's just different body types for different roles. But yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to always bring in complementary pieces physically, but you do want that on your roster. So it's it's kind of a yin and yang in that roster development uh, stage. But just like any other position, not everyone's going to hit. So you got to bring in a few similar body types. You're not going to just recruit one slot receiver over two and three years you're going to recruit probably at least one a year, right? And then over time, the cream will rise to the top with that group. You do the same thing with your big boundary receivers, your tight ends, et cetera. And then you, you build a cohesive unit from there. But from a recruiting standpoint, yeah, you want to bring in some guys that profile similarly and allow kind of that competition to naturally take off even before they get there. Yeah, and John, my final question for you with all of that is, Prior to these guys both committing, Starlings, who you talked about, was the only defensive lineman uh, in the fold. For this. It's, it's pretty balanced, seven on each side of the ball right now. Um, with, with having three linemen now, interior guy and these two ends, 
do you think Mac Brown continues to try to fill this out in this class? Do, do does he go for higher ranked five star guys, or, or do you? How many are we looking at total, probably? Well, you still want to grab the the highest profile guys you can, but you also need folks that fit. So yeah, will, will they bring in another six four, two hundred ten pound pass rusher? Maybe not, but there's room for another true interior type that could be more of, of a, a nose guard type like like Starling or maybe an in-between, more of a Keyshawn Silver body type to where he's playing inside and out depending on down yeah. and distance and the front that, that Gene Chizik wants to present. So, yeah, I do think there's more room for other body types and other uh, defensive linemen in general. Again, you still want to bring in as much variance as you can uh, for, for the long haul. So, yeah, I do think – Three is a good number, uh, but it's probably not the final number for UNC. Okay. All right, so folks, you're hearing it from John. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled for who else the Tar Heels are pursuing on the defensive line for this hashtag Jordan class. John Garcia, Jr., brother, my thanks as always. Hope you have a great weekend. Likewise, Isaac. Thanks for having me back on. Well, that's it for today's episode, and that's it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. My huge thanks to John Garcia Jr. for joining us, as always, to help unpack everything that's going on with college football recruiting. Can't wait to see how Mac Brown and company keep this ball rolling. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. It means so much that you would spend time hanging out with me, just getting to talk Tar Heel athletics. It's a great time. Follow the show on Twitter. Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow, uh, excuse me, on Twitter as well at Garcia Locked On, and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked On ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. So make Locked On ACC your very next listen. Thanks so much for spending part of your week hanging out with me. I hope that you have a phenomenal weekend. And remember, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until next week, peace.